It's a wonderful time to be black in America. Hey fam, this is After the Wake Herstory. After the Wake is a black liberation-focused podcast where we will capture our current moment and the beauty of our lives despite 2020's two pandemic. Herstory is After the Wake's five-episode miniseries that will center around black women voices. This is Kyla J. I am a Chinatown-based artist and actress. And you can find me at Virgo Crush. And this is Sharon. I'm a queen born and raised small business owner and a blogger. You can find me online at Unicorn Queen 021. We are here for a modern black audience. Prepare to be celebrated, liberated, educated, and hopefully inspired. Today's episode is called In the Way, and we will be discussing the very notion of a beautiful black future in the middle of our two current pandemic. We will also be talking about us. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, Amber. Hey, guys. Everyone out there listening, going through 2020. This is crazy. So first things first, I'm going to introduce myself. Y'all are probably like wondering who are these three girls? Why do we care about them? Uh, so yeah, my name is Amber Worsley and I've been pretty much a nobody all my life. I don't, no one pays attention to me, but um, I'm starting to, I'm starting to come into my own and pay attention to myself. Um, yeah, I'm a writer. I write about being a woman. I write about movies. I write about things only I care about. And who reads it? Isla. I do. I definitely do. She's the only one who reads the things I write. That's not true. I just got published, but whatever. Tell them. Let them know. Ooh, that's great. <laughs> right, period. Um, I'm Kyla. Kyla J when I'm like super fancy. I am from Chinatown. I'm a Virgo. I like animals. And I make music. I think that's a... Pretty much it. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Chinatown, and oh, I'm also pre-med to be a doctor. Throw that in there. But yeah, and I matter because my mother spent a lot of time in labor. Got to count for something. Okay, I'm Sharon. I'm a twin. That's very important. I'm from Queens, New York, and I'm really like just like that flamboyant like bitch that you see on your timeline i'm i like to dress up i'm into makeup um i'll st- sing you a song i'll there we go the last i don't dress up as people i make my own characters and i'm like okay that's what i'm gonna be today so um the last thing i want to do like a clown meets like old hollywood and i pretty much like pennywise if he was also Man- marilyn monroe and that okay. Marilyn Monroe. Yes. That's a horrifying mix, but I'm pretty sure you finessed. She finessed. Like, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. So that was my last thing. And yeah, I just am really like into like black issues. Like that's what my blog is about. I have a blog called Uniquity. It's just about, you know, being black, being young, and seeing everything black, in between. Being young. I feel like it's been extra complicated this last couple of months for everyone listening you probably already know there's this thing called the coronavirus pandemic happening it's pretty big yeah i don't know if you heard about it um and then like in the middle of all that police brutality yeah that 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 yeah. thing yeah don't forget that you gotta yeah. have your cup of police brutality if you've been like under a sense. rock then um you then couldn't you know because a police officer probably came and knocked yeah. it over you're not that's not your rock anymore oh you know exactly what i'm talking exactly. about exactly um so yeah for me like 2020 has been just about managing how to feel about these things i've been like dealing with one of these pandemics since I was like a child, um, I was really thrown off by Trayvon Martin. I was really young and really thought that his killer would go to jail. 
I didn't understand why people were angry. I didn't understand why people were protesting. And here I am, 23 in New York City, and still trying to reckon with the same feelings. Like, I don't understand why I still have to keep doing the same thing. I feel that. I also feel as though, for me, I was never not aware of, like, myself and what I looked like in comparison. Growing up in Chinatown, you know, being the only black girl in the entire school, like, I was never confused about anything. And I feel like Trayvon Martin was sad, but since I was a kid, I knew Emmett Till. So Mm. it was nothing different for me. I'm still trying to... I don't know if I can say I'm trying to manage these feelings because I'm actively doing it. Like mm. it's occurring. So I'm I'm managing and I don't know if I'm expressing them properly. That's something I'm worried about. Like if that's happening. No, you can express I it whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, and I think 2020 really had just highlighted for everybody, the world, how bad our management of crisis in this country mm-hmm. has been and what we could just do to make it better because... COVID hit us like nothing else. We've never had anything in the last 100 years that's ever hit us that same way. So it's like we're already home. We're stuck in the house. A lot of us are depressed. A lot of, a lot of us um, are losing family. And it's like then you're hit with, you know, another pandemic. The police are out here killing us, you know, sacrificing us. And it's like, we're already being killed by a lack of crisis management by our government. Then we're getting getting killed by the cops. And it's really, like, made us, like, as a people, it's like we have to do something. You know, either we're going out to protest or behind closed doors trying to make a way to get out of it all. And 2020 has just really been, like, that year, like, are you going to do something or not? Like, everybody says, like, what I would have done if I was back there in the 50s, but it's like, what are you going to do now? Because it's happening right now. You know, that's actually just making me think of a little story. And if you know me, you know I like telling stories. Yeah, so um, this is in the midst of the George Floyd protest. Um, I've been out and about um, setting police cars on fire. No, I'm kidding. I didn't set anything <laughs> on fire. Nothing but my goldfish. But anyways, yeah, Goldie died. But anyways, yeah, so I'm carrying groceries. Um, everything's pretty regular around where I am on Pacific Street, except there are these two teenage girls going at it. Somebody did something to somebody's man. Um, cool, whatever. Um, going about my business um so this older lady comes walking by me and she's like (laughs) they want to talk about black lives matter we need to talk about that first so i was a little offended i didn't get a chance to stop her and ask her why she Mm. didn't feel these little girls have the right to live because like we're not we're not talking about I don't know, that's respectability politics. Where it's like if these two little yeah. girls are fighting in the street, then we could like like the, the relation isn't there. And I think like for me, like this whole moment I'm realizing we're how we're divided and still playing into respectability politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Has anybody else had to like cut off their nice white friends recently? Like- I don't have any. I actually did not because before I got upset, like my white friends were like, burn it down. We're sick of it. Ah, revolution. Like, like, like my friends that are not black were crazy. And not even in a fetishization way, but in a straight up, no, these are my peeps. Like at, at one person, one time I went to a friend's story thinking I was going to see like how her day was going. And like, she it's not even that she was in the middle of a protest. Like she was on a statue. Like she was out here. And I'm like, am I not doing enough? That you're you not are doing out enough here. No, like, what? I was so proud though. I appreciate. Yeah. it. I was so proud. Give her. A I high wish five. I had your friends because <laughs> 2020 just been like cutting these people off because um I grew up around some white people like because I went to private school and then I went to school in like 
fresh metals kind of area so it's like i had these like white friends i thought they were like down they seemed to be liberal you know they posted little black square whole trump supporters whole racist and it's like you know i wait so the trump supporters have the black square on their instagram i feel like i already knew that i knew that wait i have a question so there is a lot of people who say that you cannot support trump and like like you know uh, people's liberties and civil rights and stuff like that but there are for example individuals who and i'm not a trump supporter but there are individuals who are in a certain tax bracket and that income and class takes precedence over their skin color anything like that so they love mexican people they love people of all races they love indian people they love all people but they want the tax break and that's what they're focused on so would you still condemn them as racist if I think that's a good point because um, just the other day I was reading from a professor. He's one of like my favorite professors. And it's definitely a thing where people don't understand you can't be socially liberal and fiscally conservative. It does not work because the money that you're sitting here, you know, that you want to have, that financial gain that you like, that um, classism that you uphold, it doesn't work with the way social justice works because for the lgbt to have money for our black communities to have money for our latino communities to have money for all these small things that we can better their lives we need the money to go to these small smaller issues or these bigger issues and you can't hoard the money mm-hmm. the way that, it's just a way to hide you're conservative like oh i'm like voting for trump just because like this that and the other it's literally just because you don't feel comfortable just saying that you think that you deserve things that other people don't safe to say this is probably not a pro trump you know podcast we're not necessarily going to ban him you know Uh, and like this is a fuck trump podcast but actually we're not even going to be talking about him because that's just giving him our energy facts i like that i'm really over giving all these extra people my energy um i just want to circle this back has anyone had to cut off black friends because of black lives matter yes but it's like i kind of already knew they were sad I'm not going to talk too much about who it is, no, but <laughs> so this girl that I've been hanging with like two years, like we're not close, close, but we're not, you know, enemies either. Um, I knew for a fact she was a whole racist, our whole entire friendship, but it never like made like I never really well, like never made mattered. it. A, I made it a huge thing to this year. And I'm like, yo, I let you get away with saying racist things all the time. Like we would just be like, she'd be like, oh, these black people do this and i'd be like well you're black as well and but she feels like you know she's from a different country no, she's not you're as black, black as us you're black no matter and where it's you're like, from if you're brown you're brown i do not care if it's like zimbabwe or trinidad you're black and if you say you're otherwise you got something going on for yeah. real, so I, you know <laughs> i just had to like cut that off i'm like who like who am I to have excuses so long that you just feel comfortable like mm-hmm. telling me the only reason we got into college is because affirmative action affirmative action mm-hmm. oh why black people always fighting for something why are they so loud like why are they in the streets like like why are with you all not? this going on like how can you like continue to I think uphold that next time you see her next time we're never seeing each other again so next I I see her catch her in the streets. The first thing I'm going to do is actually give her a hug because something is so fucking wrong with you. Mm. If you can't see the beauty within your own self, within your own people, and you make excuses for hate against your own people. Mm. And there's so much beauty in blackness, and that's like why we're here, because we want to celebrate that beauty. We want to celebrate, you know, what makes us just so great like even through our oppression even through everything we've been through we always rise above we always create something because through it all like we stand Sharon you are exactly right that's exactly why we're here right Kyla indubitably that's why we're here so (laughs) guys everyone listening to us just going on about Black Lives Matter 
uh, we're going to get back into this after the break. To all the queens out there listening, I want to put you guys on to something. Let's be real, COVID weight is a real thing, but finding the perfect place to get active is super hard. From expensive studios with skinny bear behind surrounding you to draining hit training sessions, you may feel your options are pretty limited. Have you heard of Fit for Dance? Brooklynites, the studio run by a rhythmic black queen, Lacey Chisholm, is dedicated to bringing quality and affordable dance and fitness instruction to women, children in Brooklyn. They offer a comfortable space where folks can have fun, learn to dance, improve their fitness and health, meet new people, build community, and explore other cultures in a safe and warm environment. Although the studio is currently closed due to COVID, you can totally sign up for online classes. And the occasional rooftop dance party, sign up, have fun. I'll see you guys there. So we're just going to jump back into it. Let's dive in. Yeah, 2020 for me, actually, I've been like guilty when people around me talking about like, this is the worst time ever. My sourdough bread didn't come (laughs) out right. And like my puppy hates me and we're getting a divorce. Like, like I'm, I'm actually doing fine. Like really good. I feel like I am walking around and I'm seeing more people who have been released from COVID jail. COVID jail. Real jail. Because a lot (laughs) of the hoes was locked up because of the protests. But also (laughs) just like um they have more time to themselves and we're just like noticing our own beauty. We black people, we you listeners, we beautiful black women. Um, I feel like 2020 just kind of was an earthquake that woke us up. Um, that being said, Darren and Kyla, I kind of have something to show you. Dun, 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 dun. Let's see it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> This first one is for Kyla. Ooh, I love you know, gifts. I like to, I like to look at photography. Sometimes take pictures. How often do you take pictures? I haven't in a while. Mm. I haven't. Ooh, oh my gosh. This is a wonderful, is he wearing a mask? Okay, so I think I'm looking at this. Um, wow. Okay, so this photo take, taken by Alexis Hunley, 2020, Los Angeles. Um, it's a guy, and he has like a brown woman's hands, sort of caressing his curls, and he has a mask on, and it's crowded, and it's just so interesting that even during times of social distancing and self isolation, that there is still people who are in close proximity. I assume they know each other. But they're in close proximity and giving the comfort that as you're human ass- beings, homo sapiens, we need. You're assuming they know each other. Why? I'm assuming they know each other because we are all children of the Lord. No. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming Jesus. <laughs> I'm assuming they know each other because this touch is intimate. And it's not intimate in the form necessarily of, oh, I'm going to hump on you or rub you down. It's intimate in the form of comfort, and it's like a familiar language, sort of. So I feel like there's a sense of familiarity there. Even if they may not initially know each other, there was an undercurrent of a language that they both understood for this picture to occur. For me, that intimacy really came through and made me stop and look at this picture for more than a second. Um... I love it. Like it I made me, it. yeah, it made me think about like the one person who's giving me life right now, um, and how important their touch is during a pandemic. That's at a protest. I don't know if you can notice because of all the blurriness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna move on to Sharon. Okay. Um. 
This picture is so cute. I don't know why. I think it's just so sweet. They look like sweethearts. Um, this picture is called New Nuit. It's French. Nuit. Oh. I took French. So can oh, you do you want to pronounce it? I can't pronounce <laughs> it. Okay. It's like Christmas Eve, New Year's Day. It's a party. Um, but what's most important is that it's from Malik Sadibi, a Malayan photographer. Yeah, I see it's, see, it's taken in 1963 in Mali. Um, I'm just read the context real quick. It says, in 1663, Mali had just received independence from the French rule. However, this time was full of uncertainty because the country's foundation was set, wasn't set, and the government was proving itself to have learned the corrupt ways of their former oppressor. Mm. Can I just... Can I just say, like, how crazy that had to be? Like, imagine being oppressed and going through the turmoil because during that time after, you know, France was no longer the colonizer and the person there, like, uh, another military force came and they were forced into just an era of uncertainty and treachery. Yeah. I mean, no, but I mean, could you ever tell, like, when we're in good spirits, like, what is happening around us? Because this is, like, goes back to what I was trying to say about um, us just making the good out of everything. And as a, right now I'm taking um, African-American dance <laughs> in school. And I didn't know that. This, like, this is, like, exactly what we talk about all the time. We talk about how, like, us as a people, like, we can bring joy and bring our, like, inner peace out at like any type of turmoil like we're just so good at like forming a community even through the hardest times and just seeing like the joy that just seems to be coming from them they look like sweethearts they look like they're having a good time and to even have a good time when something just so devastating is happening around you and that's always what we do like even when we were like in like you know our people were enslaved we were dancing we were shouting we always find our own way to express the kind of like joy and love and community we have for each other. I love this and it's just, picture. I'm so. No, it's fine. Go, go ahead. No, I was saying, like, going off what you're saying, that it is so specific. Like, it's, you couldn't have another couple doing this. Like, she is in this lovely white dress. She's not wearing shoes, which is something. I used to be really good at like finding ways to just take off my heels. And I, <laughs> I think I love that about it. Like I never wear shoes ever, like for any reasons. Like if you see me in my like neighborhood, like I don't have shoes on. So it's just like, I feel like that's how we are. Like, I don't know. I yeah. Know. Yeah. But also just like so classy. Um, I kind of feel like these two pictures even though one is in 2020, one is 1963, kind of is like summing up this moment, right? I don't know if anyone else is feeling like we're in a really special moment. Um, what I was saying earlier, like right, right before earlier when I was talking about the photos, I was saying because they were in a military state, they were going through sadness. But before that military state, there was a brief period of time where they were able to have pictures taken. They had, you know, some freedom. And, you know, they went out looking good and celebrating their culture. And the artist, the photographer that was able to capture these photos, I suck at saying his name, Amber. Malik Sadibi. Malik <laughs> Sadibi. <laughs> I don't even know that's how you say it. I don't know. But I don't know. he took these photos and they were time capsules of like a positive moment. So when that fleeting freedom came to an end, they still were able to look back and it became for that culture, that community, it became sort of a thrill that you might, you know, go to this area where he was and see yourself in some of his work or see a picture that he took. And it was a reminder of happier times. And I think the pieces of art that we create during this time are time capsules. Mm. They're, they're going to tell a story in a future and it's like either going to be a story of success 
or it's going to be from the perspective of failure. And I just think that it's so cool that you can juxtapose those two time periods like you just did, two different pictures, two different time periods, and still understand what's the message and what's coming through. Yeah. I think it's dope. Have you made any art? Well, aside from this, have you made any art during this time period that's particularly, like, your um, thing? In terms of, like, things with my hands, no. But you do know that I wrote that one article for Spoken Black Girl magazine. Just kind Ooh. of... Shameless plug. <laughs> Y'all don't have to read it. But you should. <laughs> <laughs> Me as a writer, you don't have to read it. Like, you can just skim it. Like, um, yeah. And in that article, I kind of, like, when I went out and took pictures of the protest, wanted to kind of do this thing um, that comes to Divya Stooping, where I capture the moment differently because we have to capture it differently. There's so many forces out here trying to put this one image and this one this, narrative. This like, one narrative. And I felt like I had to do something that, like, diverts from that. If you, if our grandkids are looking at old news stories, they really wouldn't see the beauty of this time. Mm -hmm. um, so I just kind of wrote about being resilient and the work of loving through two pandemics. Have you guys, like, did you guys go to any of the protests? I have like a new puppy. I don't know who I'll leave him. I'm I'm it's surprised okay. I left her today. You can take her. She can fight the police. I'm done. Have you thought? Don't of do that. <laughs> don't do that. That'd be a bad idea. An eight pound puppy. We should her not do that and say we did. The same is as big as I'm trying to think. Littler than a watermelon for the people out there. <laughs> I'll say that I went to I live Chinatown and they were walking over the protesters were walking over the bridge and because literally I look out my window and like I hear them from three blocks away so I had some time I put on like this watchman type hoodie and it came to my ankles and I put on like a black mask that covered you know yeah you know mask that covered like majority of my face and I yes queen. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I had something I forgot what it was but it was something that was covered basically only my eyes were showing and I was out there protesting because I wasn't playing no games. I still wanted to be heard, even though I wanted people to keep their distance from me. And get away. That's what I'm saying. The energy, though, was so crazy because I said, Mom, I'm going to go protest. She was like, no, you're not. And I was like, you're right. And then I slipped out, you know, and went downstairs. And two minutes later, she realized I was outside. And you could feel it like it was palpable. Like the person next to me, I did not know them, but I loved them. The person across from me, I had never seen them, but if something was to happen, I would have been there for them. And it was crazy because my mom is black, so I got my back in the house. But while I was down there, <laughs> while I was downstairs, and I was in the crowd and protesting and screaming, and I even got to hold the bullhorn, I really sat there and I just thought, like, this is my people. This is my culture. This is the energy that has made it so... As a people, we are a direct lineage of success. One mm. person survived to create one person to create one person. So we're all Snaps direct lineage, lineages of success from the very source of life. And like that energy was what helped me realize like this is what's keeping us alive. This is what makes us different from like lesser life forms or such like this. And it just felt, felt so real. And the images that were taken, like, of course, there were some people that were vultures taking pictures like, look at this broken sign like uh black lives matter yeah those people you suck but there were some like you said there were some crazy images taken there were some crazy stances taken like everything about this just felt like it felt like it was different but necessary it was imperative it was critical yeah i feel like, like just depending on where you were too like i had some moments where i was feeling that love and then some moments where i felt like our gathering was being exploited. Yes. Like, uh, I was at a black women's march and this white photographer came up to me and was like, can I take a picture of you? And I was like, no. Why? I don't want her to put me on any type of news 
thing this where is so you're going to tell the story the wrong way and you're not going to tell my story. You're going to tell it the way you want it to be seen. Um, I have a question for that, though. Slight mm-hmm. devil's advocate. Oh, okay. No. So, no, I can understand because so many people say like that they get pissed when they hear like non black people of color or or white people saying black lives matter or, you know, shouting like, how dare you? You're part of the problem. So if you feel like the message is being exploited, but do you feel that it's more important for the message to even be out there? Because I personally feel that, yeah, I'm going to be pissed if someone is taking a picture, a selfie with a black lives matter sign or during a protest. But now there are people who know that there's a protest. What are all those people behind you for? Like people who don't know the exposure to me was worth the con of it being bitten off of to have people who were pressed singing and actively participating in the demolishing of their own stature of power is crazy. And like people are like, oh, we don't want them to be saying this, but you have people participating in their own like uh, bowing out. And I think it's like, you know, there's two sides to everything. Like, as you said, I completely agree. Like, you know, you want the message to be heard, but the fact of the matter is most people that, you know, are doing it as performative activism or whatever you want to call it, they're not going to be there for us when it, when it turns from like, oh, we're doing this today. Now, when we're doing this a year later, because mm-hmm. the fight's never going to be like, just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. We're going to still fight like, you know, still be fighting. When Who's there for us other than us? So it's like, I do want to, like, you know, feel that sense of community, but I also want to know that, like, everybody who's here is here for it because, you know, once the election's done, because I feel like the election is really pushing mm-hmm. a lot of people to be performed, like, oh, I support Black Lives Matter. Like, but, you know, you really do want the people that are with the movement for long-term ter- success. They want it to work. Exactly. Other than just like, oh, I'm going to do this now. And, you know, God bless them in the later on. But it's not like we can't stop being black. They can at any point stop being pro-black. Exactly. Kyla, I love you so much, but I'm just going to have to shut it down. Pro- the fact that performative activism mm-hmm. is a word now. Uh, but to be honest, it's not new. Performative activism goes back to the abolitionists. Where mm-hmm. were they? When we during emancipation, where were they during Reconstruction era? I love you. It was really a fad. I love the you, abolitionists. Amber. All those white people was like, "Free the slaves, Jesus!" What the? It was over. As yes, soon and as a lot like, of them like they lost their attention. The same people who marched with Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. some of them are still alive. And guess what? I, I, I where are they? I didn't see a lot of old people out there. Some of them became like political entities because of their like, oh yeah, I support support this. And now they're here funding the police. So it's like... I will say this though, because you brought it back to, you brought it to um, abolitionism and thank you. So Abraham Lincoln, a lot of people would argue that was performative... Uh, uh, when, when you, what did you say? I'm sorry, repeat Performative activism? It wasn't even that. Performative activism, that. does that negate from what occurred? <gasps> does it, because it occurred in a way that we don't like or a reason we didn't like, is it not relevant and necessary? We may not like the fact that somebody showed up today that's not going to show up tomorrow, but because they showed up today, it got the notice it needed. The politicians, the uh, law was passed today. So what if they don't show tomorrow? We accomplished what we had because at that day we needed numbers. Like, I understand it, but I would rather have a thousand or like a million people come out to perform and not really feel it, but I still get what I needed done. Yeah, what their perspective and the reason for their doing it is not of my concern as long as I get to what I need to do. I think using Abraham Lincoln as an example is so interesting because it's kind of like why I believe like performative activism is bad. Because Abraham Lincoln does did not want freedom for the slaves. Not at all. He did not care about us at all. We could have been like in chains, but he just you know he wanted he didn't want the um, South to succeed. Also, he he wanted more more money power. I forgot. he had his reasons. Yeah, he had his reasons. The right one. None of them were like the right reasons. So mm-hmm. it was like if we did like allow to be like, oh my gosh, thank you, you. You know our great savior for letting us free. So I'm not he saying would, that we don't have to like. Kiss no, I know, up but I'm saying like, 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 oh my gosh, thank you. It's like, but he would have turned around and turned his back on us regardless, as he mm-hmm. as he did. He never was like really. De- 
And I feel like a lot of these people, they do exactly that. And it goes back to, like, even, like, with the classism, even with the... They say they support us, but when they go home, are they spending their money on us? Are they, mm. like, you know, are, are they really... Our money on and us? just because, like... And even though I under, completely understand what you're saying, saying, Kyla, like, you're right. Like, you know, we want ourselves to be heard, but it's also a thing, like, just because, like, when we, like, when a lot, when they feel like we're heard, they, like, kind of negate that, like, they think we've, they think we, they've done enough. You have a straight, you have a few more rights, like, why you keep fighting? And then it's like, and a, and a year later, it's going to be like, well, we gave you everything we got. What, what else do you want? And it's more. always like that because more. they think because we're free, they think because we have rights that, Not oh, the killing of our black people should go unnoticed. And even now, I hear, hear white people saying like, oh, what rights don't you guys have? It'd be worse in Africa, like. Ooh. The way I know that it's not a white versus black thing is the fact that there are white people who can perfectly articulate to their family what is the issue, why this is the issue, possible solutions, and what they themselves can do to implement change. And they will negate it. So it's an active ignorance because there are plenty of people of color, white people, people who understand and want to make valid change. I think... We're so far away from finding the answer here to Kyla's initial question. Um, because it's so complicated, murky waters. Um, me personally, like I just threw white people out, but you don't. What made you do that? Like that's the thing that gets me because think about it. Right now we're talking about humanity, right? We're talking mm -hmm. about finding the things that gave us the will to continue during a crisis, a pandemic. Now I may be upset that somebody is acting or being a certain way, but more than anything, the fact that I'm a human being and tell me if I'm crazy guys, but I was told that like, this was like a, a color person of color thing where we have a underlying sense of kindness and like forgiving where we are able to put ourselves, maybe it's because we struggled. We put ourselves in situations that if we were put in this situation, people wouldn't be kind to us, but we're kinder and we, move differently because of it and i think maybe that's just ingrained in me to the point where for example there are people who get upset when they hear racism and they get angry and they're ah, da, 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 da. i have been outside and a random guy just yells i hate you know n-word b-words and i started laughing because it was the funniest like where did that come from what are the chances so unexpected like i couldn't find it in me to be angry i can't say i'm not angry about racism but i have better things to do for it to be like a a thing where i dislike you and everyone who looks like you because of this like i don't have time i don't to buy into it i don't dislike ain't nobody um <laughs> being thrown out is really different being thrown out to me is like i don't even know where you are on the planet and i'm just living my life and like mm. there's a whole new vegetable like an indifference yeah mm -hmm. So, like, indifference. And it's not like, oh, like, uh, white people can't say hi to me. They can, as long as they're six feet apart. Yeah. But, COVID. <laughs> um, but they're just, like, not the center of everything for me anymore. I think that the problem with the protest was that they became the center. The story became either, like, vandal gang member people like burning the shit. Narrative didn't or fit the truth any longer. White people, they're doing like really great things. Like white people are doing really good right now. Like that's just what the stories were. And I think a lot of times we incidentally or accidentally center white people ourselves. Yes. It's like, you know, we talk about like, okay, you know, we're fighting against this racism. And because of what racism is, the division between black and white we incidentally bring them into the problem mm -hmm. that might not even like be like, oh, it's so white people doing it. We exactly. have to understand like our our government did it. And I think um, another thing that I do like not to, you know, to put myself in space, but I don't want to hate the people, mm -hmm. but I do hate the system, mm -hmm. is that I always remember this problem would not happen without the love of money. If oh. If it wasn't for the economic part of it, we would not be here. Like, none of this would happen because at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. And whether it be white people are being willfully ignorant or they're ignorant on accident 
or whatever they're doing, it really doesn't bother me because I know if I do encounter a white person in my real life that is like that, I could just dismiss myself from them. But they don't make up everyone just like any extreme one of us doesn't make up our whole race. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're so much more than like that one outlier. Yeah, that one person. And it's sad that so many seem to be the, it's sad that the majority do seem to fit what we think is the stereotype. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with anybody, with any race, we have to look above that because it's so much more than that at the end of the day. No, I believe that. I understand that. And you actually said something really important. You said the narrative wasn't about them, quote unquote, them anymore. Like you added that anymore. Like I say for, that. What? Yeah. And what when you say? said <laughs> that, it keyed into that. You might have possibly been in many instances where it was an inclusive space as for you as a black woman. And it was whitewashed and mm. it was just made to be cheapened sort of by people who felt that they personally intended to do good. I love that you're taking apart my words. I know. Because when you said it, I was like looking, I was like, anymore. Dun, dun, dun. Like it zoomed in on that word. I was like, okay. But I, I understand that perspective. And I definitely get what you're saying. Because especially when I, as a young black woman, as a young black girl, finding out about racism, finding out, like, I've said in myself before, like, I hate or I hate this. I hate, and I know I don't, but I am so hurt. And the anger makes me feel powerful. And that's another reason why when we come across like angry racists or like people, the Proud Boys, I just heard about them. These guys, they're doing it. Who are they? Who are they? Tell Trump's more. guys? I don't know. Proud Boys. Ho- but Co-founded by the vice, the vice founder. And that, my, my friend, Demise, she posted that. And I almost like was like, what? I love Vice. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to know, I love Vice. I probably read that like more than probably any other magazine. And Vice is pretty I, dope. I heard that and I was like, Wait, who founded it? Um, the co-founder of Vice, I forgot his name. Ba- I, maybe I can look okay, it up. Okay, that sucks. I can expect that though, but that sucks. But I, I get it. I get the I get the anger because you feel, and this is what's crazy. I sympathize. I have been so oppressed that I sympathize with my oppressor and I can see their perspective. Like tell I, them. Like I get it. And I sit there and I see that you can be angry at somebody like you feel like you're losing a bit of power if i for a long period of time held power and was the predominant source of authority and i felt like it was slipping for me for even a second even a second i would be damned if i would not be angry and go out of my way to secure it so i get angry i used to get very angry at racism and i look at it now as like a power play i'm not thinking about what you're saying i'm thinking about the emotions that you're feeling and how you feel inferior to me at this moment and what has caused it and Queen. it causes me to see it differently. Queen. I think that's a very, Queen. I think, um, you know, that's a very empathetic way to look at it. Look at it. And, you know, I had just read this article, like, about, like, how empathy, like, kind of makes you have to choose to love or show a type of love for the the abuse in your life and the people that, you know, have done wrong to you. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they make it like, oh, well, it could have been black people. It could have been like, like, I never want to say like, oh, I completely understand because I don't think our people has yeah, ever done that. I cannot completely our, understand. Our okay. people has never like been in that space. Spirit of throwing out black people. No, throwing out white people. What? In what the- is this treachery? <laughs> pause, pause, pause. In the spirit of throwing out white people, let's just circle back to us okay because this is really about us like they've given we've given them so much of our energy like this is about us speaking of us i actually um shameless plug i have a blog too brown girl narrative and um i've literally been working on making an inclusive space because there's many of them on tumblr but none of them are quite mine of inclusive spaces for like people who look like us and like where people who are shaded brown in different cultures and it's like a little highlight and like I've gotten a lot of followers during this period so it's a bunch of people liking to look at themselves and people who look like them so that's pretty dope I'm so happy as you shared that um when did you start that blog I'll say like three four years ago 
Like I've I've had a blog forever, but that specific blog, like I created that when I just needed to I needed a quick go to place to be reminded that I was art. And you know, when there were so many other Is that your like after the wake experience creating that blog? Mm, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that because it wasn't necessarily the big aspect of it. I'll say I was accepted into a class at Carnegie Hall for um, music production. And I'll say every single thing that I prayed for, I received. Mm. So I know that this is terrible, but I think it's a time of blessings personally. Me too. Here we go. I feel like, like when you're just talking about that moment, it kind of exhibits what this whole podcast is about, right? Um, This podcast is about highlighting those moments where we discover how to make space for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, again, throwing out he who should not be named and centering ourselves. Um, Sharon, do you have like an after the wake moment from 2020? I mean, I feel like my after the wake moment is like realization that I pretty much can like do anything I want at this point. Like, you know, I'm 20, I'm young, I'm black. Um, I could do whatever I want. Like, I used to be so afraid of, like, life and just, you know, life, just living and what could happen, like, what could happen, happen to me, what could happen to people around me. And I think I just went through so much in the last um, three years. And it's just, like, now I just, like, want to live. Like, if I want to... Um, if I want to start my business again, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start another business. Like, Tell them, Pooh. If I want to... Get your coins. <laughs> if I want to, like, you know, switch it up and do fashion, if I want to switch it up and do um, make music, it's like I could do anything right now because we're, like, mm-hmm. limit, limitless right now. You are And limitless. I'm trying, like, not to be scared of anything because, like, you know... We only have but so much time on this earth. We only have so much time with our family, so much time with our friends. And we should be, like, taking in and just using it to the best of our abilities because, you know, tomorrow's never promised for anybody. And then what what's left is whatever you leave here. May I offer a thought to that? Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I have a friend named Akira Oshun awesome person hi Akira yeah hey Akira and she um has always told me stop being afraid and like you touched on it and I didn't understand I was like I'm not afraid of anything I'm fearless like you see me I wear combat boots Doc Martens yeah like she's like a good combat boot that's what I'm saying she's like no you're afraid and I was like what am I afraid of and she was like oh you're afraid of success you are afraid of being the best version of yourself she said, you can't do this anymore once you're the best version of yourself. You constantly... He told you your whole life. Whoa. I had never felt that way. And I like I wanted to cry because it's so true. Like, you were talking about not being fearful. And especially in times like this, you have to be the best version of yourself. And the only thing ever stopping you from growth, prosperity, and perspective other than, you know, uncontrollable circumstance is you. Amen. Like... That had to be a turning point for me, realizing that the thing that was holding me back more than any person who didn't listen to my song or hated on a picture was me. And like, I know we're saying after the wake, but like that was my wake up. Like that Mm. was the moment of hold up. Like, and COVID gave me that time to hammer, like hammer it down. And like now when I go, oh my God, I look crazy. But what if I look so freaking cute and someone's like, I gotta have that. Like, and I'm I'm actively doing that so much that it's becoming a habit. And that's what I meant about, like, that metamorphosis of changing. Mm. Like, I can feel it occurring, and I don't know how it's going to end up, but I'm feeling good about it. I feel that. I feel myself just noticing where fear is in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't know, because less work, less everything, less school, less stress, I've been taking more time to just, like, take inventory of my feelings and what's stopping me from doing X, Y, Z. And I think we all, like, to the queens out there listening, we all 
um, need to notice where fear comes in. Fear comes in for me when I'm writing a sentence and I say, no one's going to understand me. No one's going to understand <laughs> what I mean. And sometimes that's just because I am confusing and I'm complex. I think a lot of creative can, a lot of people that are creative can like understand that because um like as an artist you're ne- you're always fearful that you're gonna put this art out you're gonna be misunderstood you know, yeah and then someone's gonna misunderstand it or they're not gonna value it and mm. after you put yourself in everything you put yourself in anything you make you want it to be valued you want it to be appreciated you want the world to see it Everything as you I do, saw it I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my sh- yeah. That's it. And a lot of times they're not going to see that, but it's, you just got to put it out there because at the end of the day, like that fear is not like, you can't be successful if you don't put anything out. You can't be successful if you never let it go. And you I feel know? like that fear eats you a little bit because when you're not doing your thing, when you're not putting out this creative outlet, you're bashing yourself. You're actively angry at yourself. Yeah, You're actively telling yourself like, I'm not enough. Like, I'm already not enough and I haven't even done anything yet. You get angry at yourself for not doing enough. So I feel like we have no choice but to do it because the fear is eating us. The fear is killing us. The fear is making us look back and regret. Like, I'd rather apologize and say what if, personally. And I think, like, like, you hit that perfect. Definitely in this time where it's like one million people died out of nowhere in a year. And it's only been, it hasn't even been a whole year. It's been like six months. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like... And this is the beginning of the bad period. The numbers are going back yes. up. Yes. So it's like, you know, do stuff while you still have, you know, all the people you love around you, all the, you know, while that's you have it. your time. Like, yeah. that's a message for everybody, everyone listening. The problem Literally is, just do it now. We think we have time. I'm going to get that tattooed, guys. I'm telling you. And like, Arabic is going to say Zaman, time. The problem is we think we have time. Okay, guys. So next episode, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Kyla's tattoo. <laughs> Um, but just circling back to fear and just overcoming it, just noticing it in your life. I think that's what this podcast is about. It's like what happens when we take the time to get over it. Get over it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's next? So what's, next? what's our next? Next. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to us just ramble on and on, <laughs> on and on and on. But y'all need to start listening to Black Women anyways. Boom. But yeah, we're having a special guest. So I hope you all tune in. You going to be there, Kyla? I'm totally going to be there. I'm going to do some shameless plugging. So I'm going to make sure I'm the okay. first person Plug- there. Shit. <laughs> Darren, are you going to be there? Sure will. Okay, 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 okay. Are you going to be there? Are you feeling like you're going to attend? I don't know. I might have the virus. God forbid. I might have the virus. I may not show up. God forbid. Um, I don't know. Or maybe my twin sister. But, yeah. I, yeah, I, I will be here now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah I'll be here. I'll be here. Okay. So, that's what peace out to everybody. Good night. absolutely terrible.